ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take you all the way down in New Orleans this time. Competition is back everybody to another episode of hard to paint with david grubb and as you know on wednesdays um we do the dome patrol uh, with my friend ross jackson and he is here with me um today i just will give you this straight up from the from jump you know this is there's going to be football we'll get through that stuff but there's a lot of other things for us to discuss because yesterday was a, a very um interesting day i don't i don't know yet if it's historic ross i don't know if i want to say that yet Right. It was a very interesting day in our country. Um, and, you know, you get, go to Minneapolis and you get the, the verdict in the Derek Chauvin case. And I don't want to call it the George Floyd case because George Floyd wasn't on trial. It's Derek Chauvin's responsibility. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, he's found guilty on all counts. And t- to lead you into this, I think the most telling part for me was watching his face mm-hmm. as the, 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 the verdicts were being read to watch his face in the absolute shock, the disbelief that this, the system had turned against him mm-hmm. in this regard, because it wasn't like what you see when you see somebody who's wrongly convicted, typically. Right. So that, that, anger that right of how is this possible mm-hmm. because i didn't do something right the look on Derek chauvin's face was much more of not me yeah yeah not me right this isn't how this is supposed to work i'm never supposed to be on this side mm. this is supposed to be like he in his mind, I don't think until that moment, and I could say, I mean, I would guess if I was in that position, I might not be thinking, but I, I, I think I probably would. That would be my overwhelming thing is the fear of being found guilty. Right. But it seemed like up until he heard those words, that fear had never reached his soul. It was as if he had never considered it a possibility mm-hmm. that he would be protected. Um. Yeah, I mean, and and the other, you know the thing that goes right along with that is that he wasn't alone in that thought, right? Like many of us were prepared for him to walk. Many of us were prepared for nothing to come of the murder of George Floyd, and that is in and of itself a shame. The confidence on his end to believe that he could kneel on a man's neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds, kill him in the middle of the street, have to be told by paramedics to get off, have people around him being told to get off of him, having the the George Floyd begging to be arrested. He would rather, he was begging to be arrested peacefully as opposed to have four officers hold him down with one with a knee on his neck for almost nine minutes. And it is... It is that confidence that is so starkly contrasting to the communities of color, the black community in particular, who spent the entire almost year um, preparing ourselves for this to be just another one, preparing ourselves for this to just be another case in which 
someone's life was taken and nothing is going to happen about it because the person that took the life happened to wear a uniform. It's so starkly contrasting of the two types of existences or, or of two of the types of existences that are in this country. I don't know where you were. I was in my car with my daughter bringing her back from school mm-hmm. um, when the verdict was read. And she's 12, about mm-hmm. to turn 13. And as we both sat there, you know, we're in traffic and it's all my cell phone on the dash. Mm-hmm. And we happened to be at a stoplight, fortunately, when it, when it happened, so we could pay attention. Mm-hmm. And I turned to her and I said, how do you feel? And this is a 12 year old kid. And mm-hmm. she didn't feel anything. Mm-hmm. She didn't feel any joy. She didn't feel any relief. She didn't feel like she felt a lot in the same way I did. It's just, what do you do? You can't celebrate this because this is the bare minimum. This is what's supposed to happen. So you don't celebrate, mm-hmm. you know, it's like Chris Rock said, mm-hmm. you want a cookie for shit you're supposed to do. And so right. you don't celebrate it in that regard. Though there are people who did, and I'm not going to fight with anybody who felt that sense of release. But I also understand how my daughter felt. I understand how the people who feel like, okay, now what? Because there's a sense to me that mm-hmm. system can cast aside one cop. Right. Because again, that's what it does. It'll say, that's what we've been told. These are, these are one bad apple. It's not the tree. Mm -hmm. It's one bad apple. So he's now the isolated case and he's the proof that the justice system works and he's the proof that you can weed out a bad cop. And that takes the momentum away in my mind. That's what I worry about most is that the momentum again comes from away from solving our policing problem and our problems with policing instead of just, and we'll go back to saying, well, see, the system works. And when something this bad happens, but it takes something this egregious, something that you cannot deny. And even then there was a defense to put the blame on the victim. Even in this case, there was doubt. When you saw everything from start to finish, all of it, you knew every bit of it. There was no disputing it. The the, the coroner says it's murder. When the police say it was a violation of procedure, when everything happens and you still have doubt, this doesn't eliminate the doubt. No, not at all. And, um, you know, I think Jim Trotter was talking about it a bit. um, And he had mentioned that, like, there's a difference between like, he can't call this justice. And I agree with him. I don't call this justice. I think, you know, you can you can hope. I mean, I've seen people say, too, that they hope that this brings some peace to the uh, to the you know, the Floyd family and everything, but nothing's bringing George Floyd back. So I can't imagine that anything brings peace to this family that has suffered this loss and has had this life taken away from them. And so even that feels empty. But this idea that justice was served in this trial, I don't go that far with it. I likened it to like scoring a point in a tennis tournament. You know what I mean? Or, or, or scoring or Serena scoring her first point. You know what I mean? Like there's a big difference between this one small, what is still a remarkable and is still a 
palpable difference from what we've seen, right? Um, because we've seen it on video before. We've seen it undeniable. You know, we've seen Rodney King get beat by four policemen. We've seen, you know, um, yeah, I mean, you know, pick from the list, right? But we've seen it before. And so there is something different about this, but the momentum that you talked about for justice has to maintain because this is different and that. And I had a I had a very cathartic experience when I heard the word guilty. You know, because I heard accountability for the first time, but again, it's the first time in a single case with a single cop in a single situation. You know what I mean? So we have to isolate it for what it is and then understand that there is still a much larger, larger conversation to be had about justice, cash bail systems, um, about justice when it comes to diplomatic, excuse me, not diplomatic immunity, um, uh, qualified immunity. Qualified immunity, yeah. Um, there's still justice to be had for the reformation of the police department and, and for policing across this country and the, the malfeasance of policing across this country and so, or the mishandling. And so there's still so much left to be done, but there is still something remarkable about it. We watched, yeah, go ahead. No, no, I was just, it just hurts when allies, supposed allies, I'm gonna put a quote on that. Yeah, like yeah. Nancy Pelosi. Oh, well, okay. Come out and say <laughs> things like George Floyd sacrificed himself for the greater good. George Floyd didn't ask to be anybody's martyr. Didn't ask to be anybody's hero. Didn't ask to be anybody's symbol. And I think that that's a mistake that people keep making. And this is that they want to keep saying that we wanted George Floyd to be our hero. We want him to be this symbol. No, Martin Luther King laid his life down willingly. He knew what the what the cost could be, the price that he could ultimately pay. George Floyd was a dude going to a store. Right. And right. he just wanted to live. Yep. It's that yeah. simple. He and Eric Garner and um, like you said, the countless others, mm -hmm. they didn't ask to be anybody's hero. They didn't ask to be on a list. They didn't ask to be a hashtag. They didn't die for something. You know what I'm saying? They didn't choose that path. Right. Um, so when you say that, what you are saying is that, that that is a conflict that George Floyd was engaged in as part of the struggle for racial equality. And that's not what he was doing. No, There is no conflict on George Floyd's part. That was just a man trying to live his life. The police are the problem in that regard. Mm -hmm. And so you say he's now a symbol for you. No, right. the symbol should be the officer. That's mm -hmm. the symbol because right. he's the representative mm -hmm. for a profession. George Floyd is not representative for all of us, but he is at the same time because mm -hmm. he is any of us. Right. That's the key thing. Any of us can just, we go to the store all the time and any of us could not come back at any point. It is a, it is a very real truth. And there's a level of that truth that exists for everyone, but there is a specified truth, a unique truth that exists for us within that conversation. And so, yeah, to hear somebody say that George Floyd gave his life or thank, I've, I've seen people like thank George Floyd. 
and everything. And it's just, and, and, you know, and, and it's stuff that's coming from with coming from outside of the community, right? It's stuff that's coming from, as you mentioned, allies that don't really understand, that don't understand how this works. And you don't thank George Floyd for being murdered. You don't, you don't tell George Floyd or you don't tell the people that George Floyd died for them when he was murdered. And especially after an actual murder conviction was handed down, right? Um, the Las Vegas Raiders went the the way other route and went the we've solved racism route. And that is too much. That That is the first topic that we were discussing in terms of, oh, this one thing happened, this one point in the tennis career happened, and now everything is better everything is solved no i can't breathe in fact that was very yeah in fact that was very evident that we didn't for two weeks i mean we haven't for our years of life but it was very evident that no we could not at the moment because we were programmed over and we've been programmed over and over again by our our exposure to all of this that this was not supposed, this was not expected to go the way that it did. And that in and of itself is a problem. And that in and of itself means that, no, we cannot breathe because this is just one. And 15 minutes later, there was another. Another, you know. a 15-year-old mm-hmm. who asked for help, again, yeah. was calling the police for help because she was being abused by someone in her home. Right. And get shot four times in the chest. And she's 15 years old. And again, I look at my daughter who's about to turn 13. Mm-hmm. And she's a tall girl. But to me, I don't see a single angry thing about her. But that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I know that. And she knows that. And and I don't think people understand what kind of responsibility it is to give a child. Right. To understand at 10, 11, 12 years old that you are not seen as a kid by the outside world. Right. That you are an adult and you are a danger. Yep. And those kinds of things, I mean, like you talk about the Raiders, the Knicks were horrible in their statements. A lot of companies were really bad. Didn't need to say anything, quite frankly. Didn't need to say anything at all. Didn't Didn't need need to say anything at all. The NFL itself, again, don't start flouting stuff that you haven't done yet. Right. <laughs> you know, it's literally a touchdown dance. They started high stepping at the 20. Right. And you, you, you're you not in the end zone, NFL, by far. You're still on your own 20. Right. For real. And to see this, you know, I think that that's that's I'm glad that there are players in these leagues and, um, you know, the WNBA and the NBA, and the uh, NFL who are going to keep the pressure on. But. You know, again, it's a deflection, too, because you get to turn again outwardly and say, look, that's where the problem is. It's not in us. It's over there. And we're OK over here. We support everything that's going on. We're happy. We're good. But, you're, you know, we're still not seeing the evidence of those things. And you want us to keep waiting. And everyone who says and I understand, again, where it comes from when you say it's another step. Man, we've been taking these baby steps for four hundred years years and how do you ask people to be yep. patient when they were talking about life and death how do you ask me to be patient how do you ask me to be understanding when it happens again and in the period of the last two weeks we've had two people shot 
And then the day of, you have a kid shot and this stuff doesn't end. So it's like we just finished one and we're gonna roll into the next cycle. It never right. ends. And that to me is what we should be focusing on because when the media goes out there and is like, man, this is a moment, this is a turn in our justice. It, like you said, it's one case. If you're a kid and all semester long, you've been getting Ds and on one test you get an A, your average is still a D. Still got a D in that class, fam. Yeah. <laughs> so you passed one test, one, one, and it's really not even a hard test. You got an open book one on this one. Mm-hmm. You didn't have to it, it, think about this one really. And so when it gets hard, when the lines aren't as clear and you have to do some soul searching and make a tough decision, what decision are people going to make? Because right. you didn't change the system. You took one guy out of it. And it's the same thing you could say in the reverse. We talk about crime. Arresting people and putting them in jail doesn't stop crime because there's still people who are going, the conditions that lead to crime are still in the outside world. So if you haven't changed the interior of policing, if you haven't changed the interior of the justice system, yeah. just removing that one guy doesn't change the mechanism. I love the analogy of the, you know, once you've had a semester full of D's and A doesn't really help you. Like, I think that's a perfect analogy because you look at you look at this and, you you know, you look at the, the policing system across the United States or the systems of policing, which are in and of themselves systems of oppression or, or birth by systems of oppression. Um, you look at those units, so those 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 entities across the United States and there's not a single sp- place that you can point and say look at the great job that they're doing or look at this reform or look at the like there are places you can see efforts you can see after efforts in camden new jersey you can see efforts in community policing i'm not interested in community policing personally i don't i don't like that idea at all uh, but i but what i do understand are certain pushes to have to stop hiring uh, police officers that aren't from the community that they are policing. That is something that I do understand that effort uh, because then you have previously established relationships and everything like that. But if your training undoes all of that, then what is the real value? And that's where one of the biggest issues is for me is the way that we, obviously the way that, that these police officers are being trained because police officers in this country are being trained that it's okay to kneel on a man's neck for nine minutes and 46 seconds, or excuse me, eight minutes and 46 seconds, that it's okay to take the life of a black man in a situation that you wouldn't take the life of a white man. It's okay to take the life of somebody when there's no threat to you or no need to do so. It's okay to shoot Walter Scott in the back. You know what I mean? Like we're it's okay to shoot Laquan McDonald 16 times in the middle of Chicago. Like there's no, the the training, everything that that people are being equipped with, the tools that they're beginning with are inherently, I guess I'll use the word incorrect. I wanna use a stronger word, but I won't. But they're inherently irresponsible. They're inherently biased. They're inherently, uh, they're inherently subjective or objective in a way that is dangerous to communities of color. Like, and, and everything is inherently disproportionate because of that. So you can try to have all of these efforts that you want to have and all these little initiatives that you want to have that people love to include in their little statements and everything to remind you that they have, you know, a social justice coalition and everything and, and all that. But 
if you're not really addressing the groundwork that you're providing people that lead to systemic issues and the systematic multiplication of those issues, then you're not actually interested in doing anything. You're not actually doing anything because you showed up at the end and made one right decision. If you're not helping from the catalyst, from the impetus of all of these things, if you're not making the appropriate adjustments to keep people's lives safe, then you can't turn around and say, look, George Floyd's life mattered because we convicted X, Y, and Z. No, if anybody, if any of these, if any person, any, it doesn't, it's not just George Floyd, it's all these other names that we've mentioned on the, that we've mentioned already and all the countless names to go along with it, as well as those of us who are yet to be victimized, uh, to that extent, not to say that those of us, because I think we've both had our experiences, but we've yet to be victimized to that extent. It doesn't mean that we won't be. But if those lives matter, right, we talk about Black Lives Matter. If those lives matter, then we would start addressing the actual catalyst for the system of hatred and where it originates from and reform all of that, change all of that. You can't just show up at the end of the game and say, I contributed. Absolutely. And I think going forward, the biggest test will be ultimately is like, yeah, what's the action? What's the follow up? Does this shake your understanding of what you think policing should be? Because if you just think it's an action and and what matters to us, what's going to happen with the rest of those officers who are also charged as accessories in this, Mm -hmm. if they go free for watching this, for letting it happen, then, then what are you saying again? You're isolating right. one person. You're saying it's a lone actor yeah. and that the rest of the factors don't matter. And the police themselves have to be held accountable too. And and what people forget too is every time these things happen and people talk about who has to pay these things out, you're asking black people constantly, time and time again, to pay for their own oppression. Right. Because in these cases where the police, the city has to pay out these judgments, that's your tax base. It's tax that's money. Your, and, mm the direct payments to pay for your oppressor. It, it's, it's a, I am, you're paying on both ends. Right. I'm paying money to that person to oppress me in their salary. I am mm-hmm. paying for their mistake mm-hmm. in my tax dollars when I have to pay the lawsuits out and I pay for it emotionally and internally because that's the conditions that I have to live in. Yeah. You know, people talk about protecting that thin blue line who do you imagine is on the other side of that line? Right. Because if you see me on the other side of that line and I'm no criminal, who do you view on the other side of that line? And far too often us, we're on the other side of that line just for existing. And that line exists to keep us within a place rather than protect us from something. It's to keep you right where you are, stay there. And we're going to do enough to make sure that you don't, your issues don't get out into where the good people are. And that's, that in and of itself, if that's how policing works, and that's quite frankly, how it's always been to me. And I have a a person who grew up in middle-class neighborhoods and I could see that. Right. Then if that's how policing works, then that that fundamentally tells you it can't work. It's adversarial from jump. Yeah, that's the thing is, you know, we, we look at, we look at civilization as being based upon, first of all, a definition of the definition of civilization is derived from that of whiteness, right? The absence of um, the absence of 
primitive nature, the absence of violence, the absence of threat. Those are all things that we're that we're listed with, right? Those are all things that that are, you know, written across our forehead as we exist, regardless of how unthreatening we may be in our demeanor and our personality, things like that. Regardless of any of that. Or is dependent upon the exclusion of us, right? Who is it that's charged with weeding out violence, you know, uh, violence and and threat and all of that? It's this policing system, and it's this policing system that's operating under a system of oppression that is that. And when we talk about systems of oppression, what we're talking about is violence against people that's non-contingent upon transgression, right? If someone transgresses, i.e., provokes violence or uh, or chooses violence. In that situation, that is a different category than what we're talking about with oppressive nature. The issue is that the the divide between the two walks a race line in that transgressors can look one way and not be killed. And then non-transgressors can look another way and immediately be killed. And this is where we run into it run into a ton of this issue. We have built policing through systems of oppression i.e. non-contingent upon transgression and we have we have deputized that very system to maintain civilization i.e. weed out the things that we are claimed to represent violence threat things like that so if we're if we are policing you know if we're paying for policing if we're paying for our oppression we're paying to weed ourselves out effectively so that they can have the society that they want, which is dependent upon our the exclusivity that comes with it. And this is the cycle that we're stuck in. And this is why we can't look at one case. We can feel catharsis about it. We can feel relief about it in that moment in regards and, and contextualize within that one specific uh, situation and within that one specific focus. However, we have to broaden and we have to maintain momentum in terms of what this means at the larger nature of what we are stuck in a cycle of in this cycle of oppression. How do we look from outside of it and try to try to reform it, try to uh, demolish it, try to change it, whatever it is. There's still so much work to be done on that front that it's not time to celebrate at this time. Like, if you breathe a sigh of relief, then good. I'm glad. I certainly did. I certainly did in that moment. Um, I had a very visceral reaction to to that to that to the the announcement of the conviction because I had pent myself up for so long for nearly a year, ready for that not to be the case, and so all of that came out when it ended up being the case. But then you recenter, then you refocus, and there's still so much more left to do because we're stuck in a cycle that we're stuck in a cycle that promises us civilization while also being the uh, the factor that hangs in the balance between maintaining a civilization that is defined by people that don't look like us. You know, we scoreboard, and it turns into scoreboard watching because. You know, some people call it the oppression mm-hmm. Olympics, and then people say, "Well, look, there's one for right. us." The ledger is still like that. George Floyd doesn't make up for all those things. It doesn't end all those things. It doesn't make us forget all of those things. And I think that's 
you doesn't know, bring anybody back either. And people will make it analogous to the OJ, you know, verdict and be like, well, look, look how he's, you know, we acted again. The OJ thing wasn't about OJ and George Floyd ain't about George Floyd, unfortunately. Right. It is. I mean, you know, at the center of it, it yes. in George Floyd's case, his humanity is at the center of it for us. But it's a again, it's the micro versus the macro. OJ in the micro. Yeah, you could say it's an unjust verdict. But in the macro for black people, it was we can manipulate the system the way you do. Mm-hmm. A rich guy found it, a rich black guy found a way to manipulate the system the way you do. That was that case. Right. But in this, this is about the daily life. And I think that's the part of it is that in macro and the macro part of it doesn't impact people across the country, black people across the country, other than to say for a minute, like you said, for that one minute, you could go. But the race ain't over. You know, you got to start running immediately again. You, yeah. you have to pick the baton right back up and start running. You got to get a, a splash of water on your face. That's it. Yeah. And, and you're, you got to keep going. The marathon continues. Quite literally, yeah. and that's I think that's something. If you if if you come away from it and you can walk away today, and you're like, man, America is is living up to its promise because of yesterday. If that's how you feel today, then you missed it. You missed what yesterday was supposed to mean. What yesterday was supposed to be was further indictment of the system and not confirmation that it works. It was supposed to tell you it's broken. Right. That's the yeah. message you're supposed to receive from that is that it should never get to this place. Because as you said, justice is not punishment here. Justice is George Floyd going home alive from that store. That whatever his confrontation, his interaction, let me not say confrontation, whatever his interaction should have been with law enforcement in that regard, it should have never been physical. It should have never right. ended the way it did. That would have been justice. At that moment, this is all now vengeance, quite frankly. This is how the system pays for the loss of life. So that's vengeance. That's payback. That's not justice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I'm with you. And then to hear police unions talk about this being an attack on American policing, like how terrifying is that? That we call what Derek Chauvin did, we call that American policing, the way of American policing, like these, these are the things that have to be, that have to be weeded out. These are the things that have to be, these are the victories that are a long, long way away. And we have a lot of work to do before we're able to get to that because it doesn't come down to us, right? Like we can't make those changes. We have to convince the people that can make those changes to make their changes. But if they see what, if what we see is oppressive practice, they see as the American way of policing, we have a very, very long way to go. Yep. Absolutely. Um, let's transition now because we could do this for a while. And, we mm-hmm. and I just, <laughs> I know y'all can't see, but I just needed to kind of above. Like... <sighs> yeah. Above all else, man, I love you, and I'm I'm grateful to see you right now. Yeah, I, before we got on, I told you, I told Ross that that I was a little bit under the weather. I, I started feeling a cold yesterday, and I, I didn't know if I was going to do this today. Last night, and I was thinking like maybe I'm not going to do this. But it, if it weren't Wednesday, if it weren't you on the other end, and knowing that I was going to have this conversation with you, I don't I, I don't think I would have done it today. Um, because I know that I can get 
excited, agitated a little bit. And I know that <laughs> you will come to me in a place of calm, even if you are upset. Right. There is a a level of maintenance that I aspire to uh, of composure. Um, and so I needed to talk to you in that regard. I knew that it would help me because I can be pissing vinegar and, and that, that, you know what I mean? <laughs> and I didn't right. need all pissing vinegar. It's not good for, right. for me. It's not good right. for me. Right. So to have this conversation with you is actually my process. Mm. You know, it actually helps my process because to do it with I'm my family is one thing, but brother to brother to get to do this, right. there's a different conversation to be had and a different level of empathy um, and shared experience there. So yeah, this was important to do this today. And, mm. and I'm glad that we got to, to have this. And I think it's, it was important. I think it's important for whoever listens to this, whether you agree or disagree or whatever, just to know that this is honest. Right. Right. And these are conversations that can be had, whether you're, doesn't matter if you're talking about sports, like then there are things bigger and sometimes stuff steps in and you're like, this is what we're talking about today. Like you can have these conversations within your own arenas. And it carries over. I mean, you know, we talk, we talk about the impact. We talk about these things and how they carry over. And this was a point of discussion for Stan Van Gundy. It's a point of conversation for players and coaches and, all, and, and every different level. And because these things do infiltrate, because these are people. And I think that's the part we have to remember, too, is that athletes, we have to continue to remind ourselves. And it's sad that we do, because it's almost as if it's the same fight for our humanity, is that with these athletes, these are human beings Mm -hmm. who take these things to their places of employment and have to live with these issues as well and perform on a daily basis, knowing full and well the rest of the world is going on outside them. Right. And, uh, and, you know, so I give those athletes their credit to, to go to work yesterday as they did. And those right. professionals in every walk of life, every person who had to go, who, who carried that burden yesterday mm-hmm. and who carries it today mm-hmm. to keep soldiering yeah, on. I mean, yeah. That's what we do. And that's what we do. And, mm-hmm. and quite frankly, it's yes, it's necessary, but it's tiring. It's very tiring. It's, it's very tiring. tiring. It's, it's exhausting. It's exhausting. Like to have to do that and everything. And, you know, I was supposed to do a show, a live show while that verdict was being read and uh dylan sanders and i would do a show over at full press uh full press radio and thankfully we have a supportive staff there to where we can just say you know to where we were able to say we're not doing the show we're not doing the show and you know we we pick up and we soldier on like i still did locked on saints last night and stuff like that i still put out you know shows and 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 pieces and stuff like that but i wasn't going to do anything that was going to distract from that time from that, and when I call it a moment, I literally mean it as a moment. I'm not trying to elevate it to anything that it doesn't need to be. But like, there was no way I was. First of all, for my own like self preservation, I was not about to be live on air on camera when that was read one way or another, one way or another. But at the same time, we have to pick and choose sometimes where we take up space, and everything. And in that situation chose not to take up space but we do continue to soldier on right we pick up here we are the next morning less than 24 hours later and everything having conversations about it talking about this in the time that we have um and it is exhausting it is exhausting because not because we're getting the work done 
conditions we have oh because there was no murder and therefore we're having similar conversations we're talking uh, um we're not everything's been going on. tamir rice's case just reopened too like to add on top of everything and and all the stuff that was going on you know and you know we, we all have our own different vantage points of all of this and so you're right it's exhausting i'm grateful that we get to do it but sometimes it's exhausting but i'm glad that we have specific connections that we have i'm i'm grateful to have you um i'm grateful that we have these outlets to where sometimes even as we soldier on it's therapeutic at the same time yeah Uh, uh, i know a lot of people reached out to us and, Mm -hmm. and and that network of just you know it's amazing that when this things happen, because they happen to other people, this isn't our incident. Right. And yet when we go through these things, there is a connectivity that we feel in it. And you, you, I don't think people understand like how many times I've had to have different men reach out to me or have I've reached out to them during the course of these events over years mm-hmm. to just have those momentary, just say, are you cool? Are you okay? Good. Yeah. Like that, that's not normal. Right. That shouldn't be an expectation in life that other, we should all be connected. That's what a society is, that we are all connected in that regard. But there should not be specific instances like this where someone who I don't know, whom I've never met, who never intended to know me. Right that their life ending accident and I only use accident as in it's it shouldn't have happened like that's right. the way I'm using it right. by, by the, the, the simple act of their dying makes me feel a range of emotions other than the simple part that of a human being feeling lost that another human life is lost There's an entire gamut of emotions that you go through whenever these things happen as a black American that are far deeper than just sorrow for somebody's life being lost. It is a personal thing. It it really, it feels personal. It feels common. It feels almost inherent. Mm-hmm. in your existence as a black person in this country that nobody has to tell you that that what that feeling is like or how yeah. to cope with it because you learn it very young mm-hmm. you said my mother like is that, uh, I'll point this out every once in a while that my mother grew up in Birmingham, Alabama um, she knew the little girls who died in the, the church bombing and now think about that my mom was just a kid and that's what she grew up in right. and you know you think about the, the generation before that my grandfather right. our grandfathers our great-grandparents and you think every other time where a kid had to figure it out how to deal with those things on their own and here we are still and we're still teaching our kids 
but they're having to figure this out on their own too on how to cope with this emotionally and how to deal with that and it's a, it that part of the of it too like that, that continuous cycle of this 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 is in our blood it's in our dna it is literally there it is shape it shapes how we view ourselves mm-hmm. and it shapes how we live our lives and that is if if as a human being you don't understand the tragedy in that right for any person whether you're race, whether we're talking about sexuality, whether we're talking about whatever the thing is that keeps you isolated in society, that feeling. And we should all know that other feeling. We've all been other at some point. We should have all been. At some point in life, you've been treated as an outsider. Yeah. Now just imagine that every day, everywhere you go. Right. In every venue, you're told this is not really the place for you. And even if we find one, it'll be adjacent it's not really in the the building you kind of get to you get the view you get to see the thing but you Mm -hmm. never quite get to touch it and every once in a while we'll let somebody through to let you believe that it works that everything is good we'll let one pass through but generally the closest you'll ever get is the periphery you get to be you get to be adjacent to power you get to be adjacent to justice you get to be adjacent to freedom but you never really get to experience what those things are yeah yeah um you know life should never be navigation and existence should never be trespass and unfortunately those are those are the realities that we live with constantly i'm just i mean we should all just be on a search for for joy man and for happiness and 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 i know that sounds some pollyanna shit for me i don't usually talk like that but i'm 40 i'm about to turn 46 years old man and and (laughs) I can't have all this. You know what I mean? I just, I can't, I can't live 30 right. more years like this, 40 more years like this. I'm, I'm, I don't want that. Right. And I don't want that for you. And I don't want that for anybody. I don't want anybody right. to live like that. And mm-hmm. like, I, that's the part that gets the most to me is like, how do you do other people not feel this? You know what I'm saying? Like, I right. know why the brain right. in me gets it. Right. I know the system. I understand why they don't. But my the humanity in me, the person that just exists, the decency that exists, whether I chose it or not, just the part of me wanting to see another person exist on their own and live and prosper, will never get it. Will never get it because I, I just, I, I just can't. And if I, if it did make sense to me then that would be a problem, I think. If it did make sense to me, if, if right. all of this stuff made sense, if I could somehow boil it down to a formula and make it math, mm-hmm. I think then it would be even more problematic. The fact that it, it never will make sense, yeah. the fact that it will never make sense is essential. If the minute we can say it's, I get it, I know why this happens. No, I don't ever want to know why. I don't ever want to be able to understand the no. mind of people who created this or who perpetuated mm-hmm. and perpetuated yeah yeah this uh, all right we're gonna transition here some real quick so i don't get people to go uh, actually no i don't i don't want to do it i don't want to do it I feel are you okay with i'm that? with you i don't, don't want to do it it's not necessary i don't yep. want to do it yep. i don't, talk I don't either i don't, don't talk football nope there's no reason to no. There's no reason to. There's we nothing that to happened that's week. consequential enough. We'll do it the next week. Nope. Brother. And and in fact, nothing could have happened that was consequential enough. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. We'll come back to it. 
we'll come back to it. There's no reason to. Man. There's no reason to. I, I very much appreciate the conversation that we had today. And if this is the conversation that we have, I'm proud of it. Look, I love you, brother. Um, I do. Love you too, man. And this has been an incredible year and a half journey that we've been on. <laughs> and I, I don't know where these roads going to take either one of us. But it is... it. And we do this every week, and I don't know if people think we have a, a bro love fest or something. But I mean, I'm at a stage. <laughs> you know what I mean? Hey, I'm I, I'm hey, look, I'm not look. I am not going to. I don't I don't have to worry about cool points. I don't have to worry about. I'm confident who I am. I ain't nobody got to check me on nothing. But these things always remind me, and every day reminds me, quite frankly, that you know this is, this should all be going in a minute and. If this is the last, I don't know if this is the last conversation that you and I could ever have. I never exactly know that. Exactly right. A friend, exactly foe, whoever. Right. And I'm neither one of us might not be sitting here next Wednesday. Both of us might not be here next Wednesday. Mm-hmm. But I, I, whenever we have these conversations, whenever I do these with people um, who I who I have a good relationship with over time, you know, I'm. I'm I can't t- not tell you that I love you and I respect you and I care for you because. You might need to hear me say that. You might not, but I need to say it because it it, it I have to. I just I, it's important to me. It's important to me that I let I you, you know, and that I got you, and I'm here mm-hmm. with you. And as we go through this, we go through it together. And yep. win or lose, man, you know you're my brother, and I love you. Very same to you, man. You're my brother. I love you too. I see you. Um, we're here we're here brother and 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 you know how long how long we're here remains to be told but right now we're here and that's what matters and um i hope that you know hopefully maybe it inspires them to go and say it to somebody else too because we should it's just you know it like you said it's it shouldn't be necessary but it is necessary so check in check in on your people make sure everybody's good and everything um you know and to the long road ahead, man, like we, we have a lot left to do and there's a lot left to do, regardless of what arena you want to put the context of that in. And um, and I'm just grateful that our paths came together and that our paths remain together moving forward. Yeah. Um, we'll do this again next week as we do. We'll talk whatever we talk about then. It'll probably be football. <laughs> but I don't make no promises. It's my show. I'll do how I do with it. <laughs> That's right. You're damn right. This but, is hard in the paint. This ain't easy in the paint. No. This is hard in the paint. We're and here I don't know what the color's going to be, man. I don't know. I don't, I don't presume that it's going to be a pastel. It might be some some earth tones. It might be, you know, I don't know. Every day the brush is different. So That's right. Um, but but thank you for having this conversation with me. And, and, yeah, and again, I hope whoever listens to this, We'd be happy to take your feedback if you have questions, if you have comments. Yes. This is one of those ones that, yeah, absolutely, you know, any one of them, but this one in particular, yeah, please, if you got something that you you just want to know, you know, this is, like we said, the importance of this is not just to have these insular conversations, but to have them externally, to have difficult um, conversations with people. And quite frankly, you know, there's a large section of the audience who who may not understand some of this. And that's not a a bad thing if you don't. If you're confused, and I'll say this, my, my dude, Dave DeCorvier. I love him. 
<laughs> D squared. My my producer, the dude who brought me on, got got me on. And when we stopped doing the radio show, one of the things he told me is like, I never would have considered half the things we used to talk about before you came along. Mm. And it's just different. And Dave, yeah. Dave, Dave is ice cold. That that is my dude. Like you ain't never gonna tell me nothing right. about that dude. That is my man. But in mm. his life, he gonna tell you he didn't have the same experiences, and he couldn't. But right. dude is open. You know, like you say, I know I don't know what I don't know. And so we'll talk about it. And and I think that's the attitude we all have to have with this, you know, whatever your perspective is. I don't know what I don't know. The wise man knows how little he does right. know. And I yes. think that's that's where we want to come from, man, because we, we're not we're not geniuses over here. We just people and we're mm. just talking this out. We're talking it out. Like, quite frankly, that's what yep. we're doing, man. Yep. I ain't gonna do no plugs. I ain't gonna do none of that. Nah, nah, nah. Um, this is for the this is this is for us. This is for the people, but it's mm-hmm. not about the platform. No. Nah, so, um, for Ross Jackson, I'm David Grubb, and I want to thank y'all for listening. Uh, and this has been Barney Payne. Be back again soon. <laughs> <laughs>